back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar on this September 26th, 2019, or the 16-year anniversary of Under the Tuscan Sun, the <laughs> Diane Lane, Sandra O oh movie that came out back in 2003 there. We are doing an Oscar sprint profile of Ad Astra. I am your co-host, Mike One, and this is a man who would have rather been sent to the Tuscan Sun than watch this film, also Mike. So, <laughs> I watched this movie twice. Yes, you did. And I listened to two of my favorite film reviewer podcasts, mm-hmm. In Session Film and Feelin' Film. And I I had a tale of two watches that I'm going to talk about. These two groups that I really respect could not have felt more differently about these movies. Mm-hmm. It's not an English sentence, but it's a sentence. Mm-hmm. And I, it was ref- all refreshing to me. So, listen around the internet to your favorite movie reviewers on this one you're gonna find out who they are and what their tastes truly are and you're gonna you're gonna see me with my hair down in this episode because (laughs) i love many things i hate many things i'm gonna be radio rahim with both fists uh on this one this is probably the least preparation i've done for an oscar sprint profile because i know you have fire in your belly today so i figured i'll just give you the ball and let you run with it and i'll just be the quarterback that waits behind on the run play and watches what happens so we're gonna see how this goes but if you've not joined us before for an oscar sprint profile what that means is it's two reviews for the price of one mike and myself take would be should be and might be oscar contenders and we put them through the oscar sprint profile lens which means that we're going to hold them up to an oscar lens and see how they match up against other films on the year mm-hmm. as the oscars picture takes shape we will also be giving you a non-spoiler review for the first half of each one of these episodes. So if you've not seen Ad Astra, do not worry. The first half of this review will be of the non-spoiler variety. We'll go over the specs, the performances, the box office, etc., etc. Then we'll have a spoiler warning at the midway point. Following that spoiler warning, the second half of every Oscar Sprint profile is a spoiler review where we go into the plot, the highs and lows, the things we like and didn't like, etc., etc. So like I said, if you've not seen Ad Astra, do not worry. This is where you want to be. It's non-spoiler for the first half of this review as we get into the production process profile michael of brad pitt and james gray's ad astra yeah we're going to do this together once again ad astra is co-written and directed by james gray who seems to have adoring fans michael and people like me are on the opposite side of that ravine <laughs> I, I don't like his stuff the lost city of z is probably my favorite i like the lost city of z. i was very mixed on that nah. and i'm not a fan of the yards and we own the night in particular there are some adoring fans he gives great interviews he seems like a sweet man who's really really in the know uh, and you know someone whose opinions i respect talking about other films and yet his own films i have issues with i wish you didn't listen to those podcasts because now you're not going to be unchained you're not going to go all in you're going to keep trying to be deferential to them and give them respect you can respect them but tell your truth be honest you here. just want the hot take yeah me i want you just ripping off. pissed and just angry like you were in the text messages last night but as mixed as you are in james gray you don't have mixed feelings about brad pitt I mean, I have mixed other feelings about Brad Pitt, but so are, so do you, and right. so does everybody. Yeah, so yeah, of course, so does everybody. But we're not mixed on his acting chops. Mr. Pitt stars as Roy McBride here with an interstellar cast that would have also been great in the year of 2001. I see what you're doing uh-huh. there. Yeah, it, yeah, Tommy Lee Jones is H. Clifford McBride here. Pitt and Jones' characters have the same last name, and you've been on the record very upset with the fact that they're father and son. Okay, so let me start with a retraction <laughs> here, because I fly off the handle at times and can, can admit when I'm wrong. No. Watching this movie, I don't have many problems with this father-son pairing, with this father-son casting, as I did going into the trailer because old people shrink. And that's my reason. And Tommy Lee Jones has shrunk a great deal. I mean, he used to be like 6'2", 6'3", this massive hulking former offensive guard from Division One AA football program Harvard in 1969 when Harvard beat Yale 29-29, to correct? Jesus Christ. Right? So in the 1960s, though, Michael, Division One A defensive backs were about the same size as Division One AA guards. Now that's not the case. Division One AA guards are enormous now across the board. Just football players. I mean, whatever they're feeding these kids, these kids are huge. Who came to this podcast for this analysis? 
I think I'm trying to just <laughs> delay, delay, delay before I have to rip into this movie. I think that has to be it. You're a weird dude. All I right. Am, I am, I am. Cat Asher also stars 2018 honorary Oscar winner Donald Sutherland and 2017 Oscar nominee for Loving Ruth Nega, Lord of the Rings Liv Tyler, Vice's Lisa Gay Hamilton, and Russian Dolls Natasha Lyonne also have roles here. So this is definitely not a huge ensemble piece. No. It's more of a focused character study. Yes. Uh, a few of the crew standouts, though. The music was done by Max Richter. The cinematography by Dunkirk's Oscar nominee, Hoyt Van Hoytema. What a name. The set decorator was Oscar winner for Alice in Wonderland, Karen O'Hara. And the special effects coordinator was Frank Utica. They all did a tremendous job, I thought. Yeah, we'll be reviewing all those excellent production values very soon. As for some more specs, Ad Astra was produced by 20th Century Fox and distributed by Walt Disney Studios with a rumored budget of over $100 million. It was touted by director James Gray as, quote, the most realistic portrayal of space travel that's been put in a movie. Long and boring? <laughs> oh, is that, boy. Is that what he meant? All right. Basically, yeah. Now, we've covered the news last year, but the movie was originally meant for the Cannes Film Festival and a late May release date, but that didn't happen. Uh, Michael, why didn't that happen? So the shoot began in August of 2017, and after its wrap and poor initial test screenings, they approved reshoots without James Gray on board, essentially, mm -hmm. because he couldn't stop it them. He, he did not have final cut on this one. It was a huge budget, as you said, that would wind up going over $100 million after being $80 million to start. So I think we're going to have some fun and spoilers trying to guess which scenes were reshoot scenes. That'll be a little something for yeah. media carryovers, Mike. So Ad Astra had its world premiere at the Venice Film Festival on August 29th and debuted with a critical reception of an 80 Metascore and is now at an 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. Both very high. Yeah, very high. That's true. The film had its theatrical release last weekend on September 20th, and it hauled in just over $19 million domestically for its debut, another 26 overseas, for a worldwide take so far $45 million on its first three days. As for the audience scores, however, and I can relate to this, Ad Astra <laughs> has a 7.2 on IMDb, all right, that's strong, but only a 45% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is a smart way to get into this premise and our expectations, Mike. All right, so here's the plot premise of Ad Astra. According to IMDb, astronaut Roy McBride undertakes a mission across an unforgiving solar system to uncover the truth about his missing father and his doomed expedition that now, 30 years later, threatens the universe. All right, so here's the love fist. Wait, that came out wrong. <laughs> We've I all immediately, been there. We've I all immediately been recognize the peril of that statement. All right, look, I love the premise. It's part heart of darkness. It's a little bit of contact, but it's all on a, a more personal level for at least heart of darkness. What if Kurtz and Marlowe were related? I mean, can you imagine if Tra uh, Martin Sheen and Marlon Brando were related in Apocalypse Now? I yeah. mean, that adds an element. Clearly, Apocalypse Now was one of the inspirations for this story and kind of what they were going for here i don't know expectations what were your expectations i expected to hate this movie mike no. <laughs> i expected to hate this movie because i hated the trailers i really really did like they just made me so angry all of these trailers and yet i loved my first watch mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it. I gave it a bit of B plus 87 after one watch. We'll see what I give it after the second watch. <laughs> but here's the thing. Going to AMC last night, I realized that on my app, I can check my number of points. And I had 27,000 points, which is $25 because every 5,000 points is 5 bucks. Okay. So I had a free large popcorn Why and soda. Why would you say every 1,000 points is $1 there? Because you only get it $5 increments. Oh, okay. You have all to right. build up to $5 increments. I and see. I always saw this thing saying, all right, this many points, this many thousand points to the next reward. I didn't realize I had already racked up five awards already. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, Very good. Awards, rewards, whatever. So <laughs> I went in there just like, oh, man, I'm, I'm pinching pennies these days in my budget. I really want a popcorn. I'm going around. I'm going at 610. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, I, want, I need a popcorn, but I don't want to spend the money. The whole point of this AMCA list is to not spend the money. Mike, I got free large popcorn and Diet Coke. I was thrilled. Now, see, to the average listener, that may be a nonsense story. But unlike some recent viewing experiences you've had, mm. you went into this one happy then. You I had a good in. mindset. I went in happy. Yeah. And I come out with hate fists of fury. <laughs> that does work. That 
Yeah, we man. had a long and tattered uh, road with this production. There was that rumor last year sometime that this was supposed to have its secret screening. Yeah. And certain critics showed up to it, and it was pulled back. And the word was it's a very well-known sci-fi property that had to be pulled that back, and the secret screening had to be canceled due to production issues, and they had to have reshoots, and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Everyone assumed mm-hmm. it was Ad Astra. So I was impressed by the trailers because I didn't expect it to look as good as it had right. based on the wild production backstory that it has gone through i was looking forward to this movie based on what i had seen in the trailers so i was hopeful i don't want to bring this other crap into this argument but we've also taken sides on the whole how disney's handling fox thing in a way i wonder if that has something to do with it i mean we're only human right for you to like this movie more than me and to support the fox searchlight property more than me here because disney hasn't really gone hog on marketing the film sure absolutely not but it's interesting that they have put in extra money to do reshoots Right. As opposed to just letting it, like, linger and die on its own if it wasn't reshoot worthy. True, true, true. But we've kind of dug, what I'm saying is we've dug our positions in. Right, I know, you're right, yeah. I'm right. trying to, you know, olive branches or whatever that that is. Right, um, you're trying to establish that there's a reason that I'm higher on this than you. I don't know if that factors in, <laughs> is what I'm saying. And I, it might, it might factor into my hate and your love it might. more, more it often might. than not. it might. Let's review some production values, though, because I, I do think these are very strong. I uh, want to start with cinematography and production design. Highlights of the film. These are the reason that you would go see this film, to me, is the production design. And I actually ended up taking a picture of one of the shots of this film. There, there are certain shots of this film. The I production design is a shot. Yeah, it is. That's fine. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> There are certain shots in this film that look like paintings. They are that artistic and that well done. This is head and shoulders away right now. The leader for me in production design, that category for the Oscars. I can see the argument for cinematography. I happen to believe that more of the beauty is designed because of the production design. I mean, there's like yellow hallways and dark barren shadows that over and take the entire shot. They make space and the space centers look just gorgeous. Right. Uh, so to me... Production design is the highlight of this, and I can understand the cinematography argument as well. I, I co-sign on all that. I, I, in terms of the cinematography, I loved how they're moving the camera on close-ups of Brad Pitt. I loved all the beautiful planets and the reveals of those. I thought that was timed extremely well. I loved everything outside of the moon base and everything inside of the Mars base. I thought those were very, very unique, yeah. sensible. They made really good, logical sense. Uh, those two sets. Some, some other sets did not. Uh, because like I hated the interiors of the moon base, and I'll tell you why in spoilers, but the space travel was just gorgeous. You're more of an Arby's guy is why, huh? Yeah, I want to go to Arby's so bad. Maybe that's what it is. I hate this movie because I can't go to Arby's anymore because I'm dieting and I want my beef and cheddars, but I can't. Well, I just meant as opposed to like Subway. I want my fantastic Mm. beefs. I can't do it, but all right. Look, I think it's gorgeous. That was the word we kept texting each other because visually this film is stunning. I would be very surprised if... This doesn't appeal right to... I mean, this is Blade Runner 2049 with a worse script, right? Like this, I would be very surprised yeah. if this doesn't make some noise at the Academy level as far as at least being nominated for one of those categories. And I heard people getting on the VFX. I thought the VFX was pretty strong. Like, I thought it all worked I well. No issues with that. I, you know, I heard some outcries there, but... I thought the action scenes played well in the moment. Do they make sense in the overall plot? But no wonder the budget ballooned here because you can see that $100 million on screen yep. in this film. We're singing the same song here because you, you, you can see that money was invested in this. You could probably pick out where some of the reshoot scenes were or what some things were added in and maybe to help with pacing and maybe to help with giving you different looks at certain things. But this is a visually stunning film. And I would argue it sounds spectacular too the Mm -hmm. score is great the effects i think are wonderful everything outside of the script seems to work for this movie i hear people getting on the score too i had no problem with i the love score. The score. i mean you need a slow kind of emotional yeah. score a little tectronic there i don't have music vocabulary <laughs> words uh, tectronic sounds right though right technotronic Correct? technotronic that's a fake word is what that is it's that's a, a fake yeah, word right. but it sounds right. like i see tectonic plates are real but they have nothing to do with music it sounds like i see but that's the wrong vocabulary word to use here let's just keep talking past each other until we land on something it's common. good music 
It's good music. <laughs> it sounds purdy. <laughs> and the sound effects. I'm kind of sound deaf in movies in terms of my reviews so far. That's something I got to work on. But I, I do think all the design categories, all the production values, all the sound categories, it really worked. If you want to make a case for sound editing or sound mixing for this movie, I would absolutely listen to that as well. You kind of cheat when you have a space movie. Those tend to do well, especially practical effect space movies. Those tend to do very well in the sound categories, historically anyway. So right. I wouldn't be surprised to see this there. But I do think on its merits, it deserves to be there anyway. Everything's created from whole cloth, right? right. I mean, it's, it's created from scratch, right. essentially. I don't know if I'm getting the sayings right at all or the cliches I right I like that you're all. just going straight with the analogies, even though you're not sure about I'm them. not sure. I'm using analogies that I'm not sure. Because <laughs> I'm rattled. I don't like to hate on a movie. But I'm still loving this movie going into performances because... Because I thought Brad Pitt is phenomenal. I, mean, I disagree, but go ahead. Oh, you don't like him? I, I like him. Okay. I, I thought he was really good. Like, I mean, he, he fits the persona of that cold-blooded astronaut, right? Yes. The emotions are earned at the same time. And he's cracking the veneer almost to a fault. But I, I love that the subtle changes is in, in his performance when, when shit goes down. And he's, he's only letting things affect him to a degree until there's a 79-day voyage, but we'll get into that later. Uh, I just I think there's a ton of versatility here, and again, he's slowly cracking up, which I really like, and he's just that professional that gathers his poise when he needs it. And you, again, it's all earned for his performance, I thought. I think his performance is a better reserved astronaut performance than Ryan Gosling's in First Man, and we were very high on Ryan Gosling. Okay, so you like this I did. I did like that. Yeah. What I didn't like... Is mm-hmm. like you said at the end there. He's supposed to be playing this guy that's losing it, right? That's slipping. The grip of reality and the grip of his poise is slipping from him. I don't think he played that well at all. I think he was pretty much monotone, and it's not helped at all by the voiceover—the very monotone, literally monotone voiceover of his that we get throughout this movie. But I thought he was very one note throughout. He was just reserved through and through. Now, if you want to make the argument that you can't show cracks as an astronaut because you have to be that reserved and poised, so an astronaut showing cracks would be more less seen than a regular person. I understand that, but for me, he was supposed to be involved in this wholly emotional storyline right like the crux of the storyline in the script is very emotional and personal and it's very harkens back to when he was a young boy and he's reliving his childhood and i didn't get enough of that of it lose him losing it so i just think this you know character is such an expert on repressing his emotions right right. and it's established that's the easy i agree i agree it's established pretty early on when he's falling from the (laughs) sky from a space antenna that's in the trailers a fascinating scene it's in the trailer absolutely immaculate and his pulse doesn't go above 80 or his heart rate doesn't go above 80 in that scene he's like well i just you know it's something i do or whatever he says i also couldn't get out of my head right the disrespect that ryan gosling was treated with and also the performance of Pitt in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and how I preferred, I wanted mm. Ryan Gosling to get more love last year and I prefer and Pitt now. in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So this had two things working against it that have no bearing on this All movie right, so whatsoever other than my subjectivity. Well, you're admitting your right. subjectivity right. there. That's an interesting perspective. And perspective <laughs> is what we have to give these things, right? I have the perspective that uh, I think it's a strong performance. Is it going to be in my top ten, a top five, probably top ten? Not there's top, a top lot five. of people that think this is right now the leader for best actor. Wow. I've seen. I mean, there's at least nominated certainly in the top three. He's got those big emotional scenes too. Yeah. He really does, and I, I think they are earned. Again, almost to a fault. What I do have a problem with is how everybody else is used in this cast. I mean, Ruth Nega and Natasha Leone, two wonderful actresses, two previously nominated actresses. Mm-hmm. Natasha Leone is an Emmy-nominated actress, Mike, and she is a door person. She is tending a door yeah, in this so movie weird. in one scene. I'm guessing all her scenes got cut. Whatever she had got cut. And got or she just so desperately wanted to be part of around. a James Gray space movie. I don't know. She was. Her character was very minimalized. And I, She's to the at point, a desk. To the point where I was like... Is that really, like, is that Natasha Leone? Would she take that small of a role? And then I thought they totally forced Ruth Negga's plot line. Yeah, that I agree with as well. I, I was surprised, and I wonder if it was a cutting room floor thing, if it did have to do with the reshoots or whatever, but they seemed, Ruth Negga's character and her, it seemed like a plot device, seemed awfully convenient to the plot. That and didn't make sense, by the way. Natasha Leone was just, like, there. Just 
to say two sentences? I don't want to say this word, but sect decoration. I mean, why is she there? Yeah, I don't understand it either. It makes no sense. At least your eye, maybe, I mean, not, your eyes are drawn to her like, oh my God, it's Natasha Leone, yeah. right? Yeah. Great actress. Yeah, I don't understand. Here's it. your one line. Right. Basically, no it's like, she's like, you could pass. Exactly. Very bizarre. I agree wholeheartedly with that. Ridiculous. And Tommy Lee Jones is always good, but his character is kind of incomprehensible, and that's the point. I hate his character's decisions. I hate many of the supporting character decisions here. I mean, he's not a he doesn't give a bad performance, of course not. Right. I have no problem with Tommy Lee Jones' performance. I, I think a lot of my shortcomings have to do with script logic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's where I land I want, on a lot of this. I don't think any of these characters yeah. were helped out whatsoever by the decisions that were made as far as motivation. And why this movie is happening. And James Gray talked about how he had to give red meat. And basically he wanted to make an Ingmar Bergman film. And he had to give red meat to get this film out there at the end of the day. Is Disney forcing him to do that? Et cetera, et cetera. Was Fox forcing him to do that back at a certain moment in time? The movie did better than a total flop. I mean, I think it's going to make some money at the end of the day. but Well, it's it's like everything else is going to be dependent on the international market. And it has great effects and it looks great. So you would think it's going to do okay but in terms of the script i mean it is is appalling and i think it's because of the disjointed production mike the voiceover narration i'm curious to know when it was all added in epic film guys nick they must have had a seizure he hates voiceover narration i was thinking of him the whole time actually (laughs) because he was so he hated it in once upon a time in hollywood which i thought it was entirely necessary as a misdirect in that movie but he hates voiceover period and this has nothing but it as far as expository goes. I wonder if they use the VO to just kind of, you know, get the through line working, you know, to kind of explain Fill in the it for people. That weren't there, yeah. But the effect to me is that this is a Ridley Scott original Blade Runner cut, one of the Blade Runner cuts. I, I forgive me, I don't know which cut, but any Blade Runner cut with all the voiceover is something I absolutely hate. Oh, it wow. is unwatchable to nice. me. I love the director's cut when you take the voiceover out. That's Taking like, shots at some movie gods here. I like it. That's meditation. I mean, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. I can just live in the visuals and the atmosphere of that film. I don't want to hear, you know, gumshoe Harrison Ford talking <laughs> gumshoe language in like a futuristic Asian fusion L.A. Well, look, I'll say this about the voiceover narration in this movie. I think it was necessary. I don't think it saved the movie at all, but as far as a coherent through line that was there, I think you did need to fill in some of the blanks here because otherwise I think we would have been just lost. I mean, that, but that's a failure of... I I agree. I'm not saying it's a good thing. But I think it was just to have any semblance. I mean, I think we'd be talking about this as like a, a five on an IMDb ranking, a five or a six, as opposed to what we are. I want to brutalize the script and spoilers yeah. today, and I'm going to do that. In terms of the Oscar lens, before we finish up the non-spoiler review, production design, cinematography, Brad Pitt, VFX, I'd say those would the, be the top four things. You know what, what angers think? me about this is that this probably will end up with more awards, I would think. Maybe. I mean, at least right now, I can't even think of a contender in production design, honestly. Uh, as mm-hmm. far as what this will... But this could end up with more awards. I shouldn't have said probably. This could end up with more awards than First Man. And First Man is a far superior movie. Do you think the Potties, you know, the podcast award, will just name an, a future award after Ad Astra because of that recording studio on Mars? That I could not help but think of <laughs> us. Like, if we had that at our expense... Can you build that? I mean, If we, we had a that, producer, right? even, like, behind the glass, that could <laughs> that would be nice. But, yeah... <laughs> make it red and all that. That would be awesome. It did look gorgeous, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't begrudge any of those four nominations, though. Production design, VFX, cinematography, or Brad Pitt. I, I do think he's good. To a lesser extent, I wonder if the sound effects is something that comes through to a trained ear. I don't think Tommy Lee Jones is bad in this. I just kind of think his characterization disqualifies him. And same for Ruth Nega, but I think they're very good here. I mean, if you're going to nominate an actress that doesn't have a lot of screen time, plays a role within the plot of the movie they're in. Yeah. Wouldn't you put that nomination slot to Margot Robbie in Hollywood over Ruth Nega here? True. True. That's what I think. Yeah, she's 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 not getting in. What am I saying? It's but she's so been there before. She's, she's so such convenient. a good actress. I, I yeah. feel so Ruth Nega and Natasha Leone, I'm offended. They both deserve better. Visually, uh, I think this movie is worth seeing. That's the, worth the price of admission yes. right there. Yes, wholeheartedly. I'm it's on a big screen. S- I'm sad that the, the times I needed to go, both viewings, 
I had IMAX screenings like the hour before oh, or the hour later. I, I just missed the IMAX screaming, screenings or screamings. I, I, I would have been screaming if I saw this in IMAX. I saw this in my Podunk theater, Mike. Yeah. And I was like, holy. I took a picture of my Podunk theater's screen. That's how good looking this You're movie is. You're going to be arrested. That's fine. It's probably coming anyway. For not for that, then something else. <laughs> Put me out of my what misery. What kind of a lawyer are you? Uh, but I just, I hate so many things. I love so many things about this movie. It's very, very frustrating. I will say that if you don't like James Gray movies, this one is particularly dislikable. And if you love James Gray movies, maybe you'll love this. I don't know. I don't know you people. I'm calling you you people. <laughs> I, so I, this is maybe a watch for you, but not definitely. I, would ne- I will never watch this movie again. I just can't. I can't stand it. I still, it. It I still say it's a watch. Even if you see this at, at your home VOD, just to look at what this thing can look like and know what movies... I mean, $80 million, like it was supposed to be originally, isn't a huge budget. It's a big budget, too, but certainly not for a studio film. I think you, it's worth your money just to see what James Gray did production-wise and cinematography-wise. I, I wanted to walk out 15 times on, I'm very on my excited. rewatch. I'm very excited to hear your spoiler text. Okay. Well, here we go. Spoilers ahead! This is a spoiler warning. Spoilers. Spoilers. section for James Gray's Ad Asher, the Oscar Sprint Profile, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. If you've not seen the movie already, this is a good place for you to hit pause. Uh, I say go out to your theater and check it out. Also, Mike may disagree with that assessment, but anyway, uh, if you've seen the movie already, if you're just curious to hear our thoughts, or if we've hyped up the spoiler section for you so much, and we may have, because I think also Mike, Mike, you know those cartoons where like the guy gets so mad, his <laughs> top blows off with steam? Like Inside Out? Right. Or, yeah. yeah, I think we could have that today, and if it happens, I'll take a video of it and post it to our social medias, but if you've uh, just curious to hear the spoiler section, this is where you want to be. It's all spoilers all the time. The Oscar Sprint Profile of Ad Astra, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and I. Oscar. Michael, let's start with carryovers. It's your show. All right, so the first carryover is we want to guess some of these added scenes from the reshoots, though. The Star Wars shooting racetrack on the moon thing? That's probably it, 8, right? 8,000%. 8,000%. Yeah, we, have, we have the moon is set up as an industrial thing that's been marketed and colonized, but we, we haven't cleared all the pirates off the track to get you to the biggest transportation system on this industrialized complex? Are you kidding me? Mike, why would would they send the guy with the Save the World mission into that environment? (laughs) Just like you're going to fly you commercial because it's got to be top secret. We're going to send you into a war zone. We hope you survive it with Donald Trump. I have my own issues with the commercial flight, but I understand (laughs) why they put that in because if they didn't have that action piece in there, you have no real action in this movie for what would have been close to like I don't know seventy five minutes. It would have been, t- and this movie's slow. This it's is slow. a slow movie. It's sl- so very slow. maybe that keeps your attention reinvested in the movie. It, th- but it makes no sense. I think James Gray has a high tolerance for just traveling around the world. He probably takes <laughs> a lot of cross-continental flights and stuff. I know they changed the ending by a lot. So that was definitely one thing that they changed uh, in the reshoots. We're going to talk about it. I wish the rover chase was something they wrote in from the beginning, but I'm guessing that the fact that this ballooned from an $80 million to like a $110 million budget, whatever it came out to, they they added the rover thing. So maybe it's important to know, too, if you haven't seen the movie, this is supposed to be set in a near future, Mm -hmm. and the moon has been industrialized and colonized, and space travel is very easy. Virgin Atlantic has set up space shuttles to take you from Earth to the moon, and there's underground transports on the moon to get you to different parts of the moon. Planets in this world are now layover stops on a connecting flight. The moon is a mall. Right. The moon is a one giant mall, right. and that's kind of cool in a way, but it's also kind of weird. I don't know. I, I'm not a huge fan of the interiors of the moon base, and yet it's stunning when they get outside. That scene on its own, I thought, worked well 
I, it doesn't work well within the whole plot, though. It's just like, all right, we got to get A to B. Here's some action. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with your assessment there. That's why I say I think it's glaringly obvious that that was added in after the fact because it has no bearing whatsoever on the plot. Do you think the space monkey was added, that chunky monkey? I hope not. I really want to think not. I, I mean, I think that if that was added, then that whole side mission was added, right? Because otherwise, what's the point of it? Well, they like to lose Tanner. Like, did they add all the action scenes? Is I'm wonder was what I'm wondering because it was just all very you know thought provoking and slow. And did they add that scene or did they reshoot the last scene where they took the captain out because the captain was killed by the space right. monkey, that chunky monkey? <laughs> did, I mean, how? How did they work all that? I mean, again, $20, $30 million worth of reshoots is a, a lot of reshoots. It had to be one of those action scenes. I think they thought, mm -hmm. I don't know who they is. It may not be James Gray. Maybe the, the studio that ordered the reshoots. I don't know. But I think they thought they have something special on their hands. And I think they thought if we add something to this movie that looks this beautiful and has this Os Brad Pitt Oscar level performance in it, if we add something as off base and bizarre right. as a monkey in space, a baboon mm -hmm. tearing people's faces off, that maybe it has the chance to be remembered as fondly as the polar bear from Lost. Something so out of place that mm -hmm. just comes out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. It'll be that big of a where were you when you saw this thing. I think... I can envision a world in which that was discussed around a big studio table and pitched and given the green light. And again, you know, that scene on its own is kind of cool, right? I mean, sure. that was, that was yeah, yeah. fun. I have less, yeah. way less of a problem with that side mission that ends up with the baboon than I do with the Star Wars space race on the moon. The whole problem with that scene, though, is that it totally undercuts the three crew people, surviving crew people, of the eventual save the world mission like spacecom is going to entrust the three people that were too afraid yeah. to join brad pitt and the captain on the space monkey check-in mission after the distress call and they're that guy's too cowardly to, to handle that situation and then he's too incompetent to land the spaceship the space after shuttle. the power surges and yet we're gonna as spacecom we're gonna entrust these people because brad pitt didn't you know squeal on them rat on them for being incompetent and then, of course, they follow gonna... through on their incompetence by accidentally killing themselves in that final scene where Brad Pitt kind of stows, stows away, breaches, which was ridiculous in its own right. And they're the Three Stooges there. They just get crushed. It's it's a cartoon. It's yeah. ridiculous. Bing, bang, was that in the script? How could it be in the script? How could they accidentally kill themselves in such ridiculous fashion in a movie that's supposed to be about realistic space yeah. travel? Yeah. Um, can you imagine if breaking into a space shuttle that's almost in flight at NASA was as easy as Brad Pitt did it here? I mean, what's the, the, the timing of that? I mean, he's taking his sweet time pondering existence through the water. For whatever reason, he's got to go through water. Gorgeously shot. Beautiful. I loved every second you didn't, you of those didn't like visuals. The, uh, you didn't like the, the uh, analogy to birth that, that that was? A little on the nose with yeah. the umbilical cord? Yeah, umbilical cord, and I got some more for that scene. All right, let, let's just hold on, because I do want to kind of go through the major plot line a little bit, and then best and worst scenes. Uh, look, I mean, this major plot line, it, it's just offensively bad. So there are power surges from Old Man McBride's Lima Project on ne Neptune, right? Mike? How did they know that was what was doing it? If they, if they lost track of Lima years ago? Well... I guess it's coming from Neptune. They know it's coming from Neptune, so they assume. So they're like, oh, Lima must be alive because it had the power to do these surges? This is right off the bat. None of this made sense to me. Why did they establish that it must be Tommy Lee Jones and his Lima ship has the capability of doing these surges? That made no sense to me. I don't know. Explained. But, you know, I'm not a scientist or I'm not like science. I'm, I'm not smart. Okay. Is what I'm saying. I'm not a smart, but all right, fine. You got to nuke this right. space, right? right? With just Tommy Lee Jones, I hated who that already yeah. assassinated himself by killing the rest of the crew. All right, fine. You got to nuke this base. I get that. You're gonna send his son to go to the universe's greatest podcast recording studio <laughs> in the history of time, Mike. We run a podcast here. We have great equipment. I'm really proud of how we sound, and that's a, a you know testament to you and your technical savviness. 
why does he have to go to Mars to record those bland, ordinary, cookie-cutter messages? Well, they say it's delivered by laser. I imagine Neptune, I mean, I know Neptune's way the hell out there. You could take an MP3 and turn it into an MP3 (laughs) 4 or whatever you do now, right? Why can't he record that in Houston? These stupid messages that they that all that's all they want him to record, and he can record a thousand messages for any for a rainy day for any kind of thing that his father would say. Yeah. And why does he have to go all the way to Mars to record this? Yeah, it has to be the laser technology that ha- it's just not available at Earth. So they go backwards in time because they immediately because the get you're inclined to believe they as soon as he records that message for the second time, they get an immediate response. So there has to be some kind of configuration that's only available on Mars between laser only live, message sending. So that you can only send him a live feed. That makes no right, sense. Yeah, you could play a recording into yeah, another. I don't makes know. no sense. There's a lot of poo-pooing of uh, stuff that we should have information for. But Man Bun Guy's got to raise his hand <laughs> and say, I am the producer here. Let him go off the cuff. And he doesn't even go off the cuff and that heart-to-heart. He's just like, Father, I'd like to reconnect. I remember when we... That's what I mean. That's my problem with Brad Pitt's like performance. Like That's supposed to be a big emotional breakthrough moment for him. And he's li- he's like... This is a very lovely steak dinner. The reaction to that scene, though, is like him trying not to cry, and we've done that at Oscar movies to much less success. Yeah, but I didn't buy it. Like, I don't feel like he's in that much peril. Like, he's like, oh, damn them for using me. (laughs) I just don't get why they're sending him there. Like, Spacecom is completely incompetent, as far as I'm concerned. They're just completely incompetent because they send Donald Sutherland and one look at Donald Sutherland is that he is completely unfit. I said that from the trailer. I, <laughs> Donald Sutherland No, I said that. In in space. Space. We both said that in the trailer. Fine. I don't remember who said it because you often remember things that I say as things that you say. And I vice, thought I said that. It might have been you. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. vice versa. Right. It could have been either one of us that said that in the trailer and we were gosh darn right. Yeah. Correct? It just makes no sense. The, everything that Spacecom's doing and, and it, to make matters worse, Ruth Nega makes no sense. Because why would she sit McBride down, Brad Pitt down, and tell him the story of how Tommy Lee Jones, his father, killed her parents recently, <laughs> right? Recently, since these power surges started. And he then asks her to get him on that ship. And she doesn't know him. And the whole thing is that he just reconnected with his father a little bit. So wouldn't she view him as a potential saboteur rather than entrust the mission of guys with nukes to just blow up this guy? And because she seems like she wants vengeance. Listen, you're making a lot of good points. And I got a question of that of incompetence before it even gets to that point. How the fuck do you let her in that room? He just stormed off the podcast set. Right. Because they got a response from Tommy Lee Jones and they don't want to tell him about it. So they set him up. They fail his psych evaluation, which is a setup. He right. didn't really fail at that point yet. They they tell him he failed. Although he, he is lying. It's more like a lie detector test. Right, but, but, but whatever, nonetheless, fine. yeah. And he, they take away his mission override protocol so he can't reach his commanding officer or whatever. And they quarantine him in this flower room where he's supposed to calm down. I like how all of the calming effects are birds and right. bees. Is that a metaphor, Mike? <laughs> right. well, I think so, yeah. <laughs> so they, they quarantine him in this room. They're obviously setting this man up. They're using him. He says that outright, and they're going to send him back to Earth. Why would you allow access to him at this point? That's the point she walks in the room. I know she's the manager of the station, but he's quarantined. Get him away. I just do not get her motivations to want access to him. Why would she want to help him? Wouldn't she be happy? She knows that there's going to be a nuclear bomb heading towards the Lima Project, basically to blow blow that up. But she knows it. Fine. But how does she know that's the plan? I don't know how either. I don't know how either. Like, why is that the plan? We have to find Tommy Lee Jones. We have to kill Tommy Lee Jones, but that's not enough. We got to blow the fucking planet up, basically. Well, why is that the plan? They have to blow up Tommy Lee Jones so that his, you know, antimatter rays... I get that. ...don't end the universe. I get that. That's but, a bullet. That, it's, it's not a nuclear it's, bomb. But that's... <laughs> 
practical, I would say. <laughs> Blow up the place that could potentially, you know, end the universe as we know it. Then we don't need to kill him, do we? Don't we need to just capture him? No, because th that whole thing is giving all these power surges. And when we get there, they explain that away of Tommy Lee Jones saying that I can't stop the power okay, surges. Okay. That's something that happened accidentally okay. when there was the mutiny, and I don't know why it's happening. I can't stop them. <laughs> Neither do I, James Graham. I, I don't know why this is I happening. Agree. But, I mean, regardless, everybody should be on the same page. We have to nuke Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> We have to nuke. So why would we send the one potential saboteur over there? Yeah. Well, they were trying not to. Right? Well, why would Ruth Nega help him? It makes no sense why anybody would help him. This is the they only would, part would, of Space Comp's plan that makes sense. They would me. help him because... She would help him because she's a fucking rogue agent. That's the only reason, right? She wants... She's an agent of chaos. Right. And she wants the end of all things. Like, they, maybe she knows they're trying to screw him. I don't know. You're right. This it makes is, no sense. This movie's dumb. It's completely <laughs> asinine why she would help him There's get so there. There's so many jumps to conclusions in this movie. It's ridiculous. It makes... I hate it. I hate it, that fact. I mean, you just... It's insulting. So you would rather, I guess... You would rather have everything be convenient, too convenient, than jumping to too many conclusions? Like, Downton Abbey... I mean, any, every problem is solved within two scenes, right? It's so convenient. Yeah, but it's A to B to C causality. So that's what I'm asking. Sense. Like, would you rather have a movie like that, or would you rather have a movie like this? I would this rather have a movie like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You get right. dramatized. I'm saying if you had to have one or the other, though. But I mean, even because this is this is drawing your ire. You're getting mad at this. Downton Abbey would seem to have a good experience with. I like Downton Abbey, cheap. but yeah. Downton Abbey made sense. Right. This makes no sense. Even when Brad Pitt gets there and arms the... You'd dream. rather have something make too much sense than no sense at all. Right. Yeah. Please. Yeah. It makes no sense that after he gets there, his father, who is a very capable man, he's still experimenting on antimatter machines. Right. Right. He <laughs> As is, one does. I mean, he loves the smell of antimatter in the morning. <laughs> Right there, why this wasn't Robert see what you did. All yeah. right, fine. But he is experimenting on antimatter machines. He just fooled the rest of his crew into being killed by him. Yeah. So this is a capable man, even though he's kind of a shrunken against the, you know, the defensive back build of his son. He's not no longer a guard build. Any, whatever. It's beside the point. Mike, he was just willing to kill all of these people for the, what he thinks is the greater good. His son gets there and he allows this man to load a nuclear weapon onto his ship and basically end his life's work and then he just wants to kill himself and apparently the son talked him into that by saying father you succeeded because now you know we're all we've got and then therefore he wants to kill himself i get that last part right because i don't want this to be all we've no, got we need to find aliens yeah my life is not complete unless we find, need to find god and yeah. to find aliens right. whatever i get the whole spiritual metaphor of that it's so fucking on the nose but are you kidding me with all this it's just ridiculous and he, he the father throws his fit when it's just to to end his own life and he's endangering the son's life in the process <laughs> by the way you got to come with me pop okay <laughs> That's the yeah. That's the dramatic. It's ridiculous. Moment. And then of course the sun in this you know apparently realistic gravity right mm -hmm. of Neptune, the sun just rips off the Whirly Bird shield, flies off the Whirly Bird through the uh, asteroid, asteroid field. field where he I mean we we see like just you know a why did he do that a calf flex. It allows him the momentum to fly through space because there's no friction, right? And then he's he's able to use a shield when he should fucking pinball through all these rocks. Why doesn't he move into this? I mean, Why did he go through the... Where was he going? Well, Back the, to his base? His a, ship? A, a, yeah, back to his ship because apparently all the rings were like cross-sectioning each other because there was no way to drive the spaceship down through all of the asteroid fields even though the little, you know, dinghy spaceship was able to fly through no problem why he couldn't just dock right next to the father's why spaceship just I take no control of the lima and take that back i mean well it's he's gonna kill everyone up. everyway he's gonna blow up the lima it's going to kill everyone anyway that would be very <laughs> fatalistic i just none of this logic makes sense no it doesn't you're absolutely right it's, it's terrible it's a lot of leaps to conclusions i don't understand them all myself certainly um, best and worst. We got some best, so let's change gears a little bit. Do we, we have best? I do have some best. <laughs> All right. I mean, we talked about falling from the antenna. 
uh, the space antenna. I really like the space antenna idea. That it's such a shame because that movie, uh, the way to start this movie is the highest of highs. I mean, literally and figuratively. He's falling off the space antenna, and it just really does look gorgeous. I mean, it looks like he's actually there. It looks like he's free-falling in space. I wonder if they shot this while skydiving because you get the look of the Earth going, getting closer and closer to you, yeah. and it looks like somebody who's actually parachuting in. I love the frame of reference of the space antenna. I mean, it's so cool. He's falling down the space antenna, and I think he's, he talked about using that to orient himself and not pass out. I couldn't really hear him. I'm in a movie, and I can't hear his, what he's saying. Because right. no, he, he goes from black space to, like, blue sky, so I think that altitude shift. Now, you and I would out. barf up all our vital org- organs while spinning here. Yeah. We would have died of screaming too loud. Right. Of fright, of, of heart attacks. But I love that the space antenna reminds me of the beanstalk uh, in Old Man's War, which is taken from the beanstalk and Jack and the Beanstalk. That's a sci-fi trope in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, that antenna. I really love that. Go read Old Man's War if you need a good sci-fi series from uh, Scalzi there. Okay. That was a great scene. We both yeah, agree. Love and I was team. surprised by that. And then now it makes sense that the gravity works because it was an antenna. Beanstalk. You can fall. <laughs> okay. The briefing, Mike. I thought Pitt's performance in that briefing with that crazy wide-eyed stare was excellent. When he's told his dad's still alive, I mean, his whole countenance changes for the rest of that scene. It was great. Why is he the only one who thinks his dad is dead? Why is everybody else so quick to buy that it must be Tommy well, Lee Jones and Tommy Lee Jones must be alive Everybody still? else has received the recent communications that Brad Pitt gets throughout the rest of the movie. Ruth Negga did? I'm not, I don't know about well, Ruth That's Negga. what I'm saying. Like, everybody knows mystery. Tommy Lee Jones is but alive. Spacecom knows. But every, like, every, like, people on Mars encounter, like, everybody is aware that Tommy... It's like, it must be Lima, it must be Tommy Lee Jones. And Brad Pitt is the only one who's bewildered by this? Well, he recently sent them communications, Tommy Lee Jones. And I don't know if recently is within a year or within two years or within six months. I mean, so the greatest old. astronaut they have yeah. is not privy to this one piece of top-secret information. He's the only one that's being used as a I don't know if game. he's the greatest astronaut they have. He seems like just one of a bunch of gearheads working on the antenna. I don't think he's that much of a prized astronaut he seems like just more regular guy so you think he's just like a, a dude i think so i mean it seems like he's important for the space antenna but he's he's of mild importance compared to his father his father's a rock star how he hasn't turned into roman from succession <laughs> after all of you know every conversation turning into oh my god your father's my inspiration i wouldn't even be in this career right. if not for your father right he should be a total mess, but all right, that's but, beside but, the point. Nothing, nothing, but his father left. Why does he have an attachment to his father like this? His father left when he was a kid, apparently. Well, that he's repressed. And he basically says, fuck you, after I travel all these planets to get to you. And- the father is just vicious. <laughs> right. When he gets. It's ridiculous. I knew I'd widow your mother and yeah, that's right. Like, like I hey, didn't care. Thanks for coming to the edge of our galaxy. And by the way, go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's what the father says to him. It, 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 <laughs> Why clearly. is Brad Pitt? Ca- I don't. Maybe I, I don't know. So we we both said we liked the uh, Mario Kart on the moon and the Chunky Monkey. Yep. Do we like the psychological evaluation thing? I kind of liked it because it's like a lie detector test. It was a way of controlling him from Spacecom, even though they proved to be a bunch of idiots. Kind of like that. I like the commentary brings us about how like we're getting way too robot or, or computer reliant and how we're going to get to a point where yeah. a computer is going to have definitive say whether or not we can do something but as as long as he says he doesn't want to be his father right he could ramble on about wanting to have sex with kangaroos for three minutes <laughs> they don't care they just want him on their right, team right, right. We, we both agree with that logistics that i did like i liked ruth nega's pants because they were <laughs> ill-fitting and apparently there are no time for tailors on mars and i like this a lot there's a subway though that makes good sense there's a subway make a sandwich shop um, on mars and then I, I love moments That's of Brad, the moon. I'm sorry. Right. I love moments of Brad Pitt's performance. He does give a what's in the box face after his dad kills himself. And that's a great scene for his performance. I mean, that's an incredible scene. I mean, he's just losing it. This is like <laughs> having like this high powered car and taking it up and down the street and mm-hmm. never hit, getting on a highway with it, never driving it recklessly, never driving it smoothly, never mm-hmm. This is just like having a bunch of money because the effects look great. The production time looks great. Hiring Mario Andretti, have a great performance <laughs> in Brad Pitt, and just not doing anything. Like, you're hiring Mario Andretti to drive your Ferrari to your neighbor's house because you just don't do anything with this story. 
It's just nothing. It's like you have all these effects and this great production design and the cinematography is great. I love the look of Brad Pitt and Tommy Lee right. Jones in space when Tommy Lee Jones tries to kill himself and pulls on that tether and they have that big moment. I love all of that. It looks fantastic. You have moments here that really... It's epic. Yeah, you have certainly big moments that amount to nothing. It's really quite impressive. Well, it's almost. just like, here's what the, he went through. Feeling Film talked about this. It's, it, it is inconsequential in a way for the character because the character is not going to change. The character is going to follow through on the mission. And Brad Pitt's going to follow through on the mission. And Tommy Lee Jones really doesn't give him any reasons I'm not, yeah, to I'm not, not follow through on the mission. I'm not talking about... I'm talking about the movie in total. I, I'm, I'm talking about like how, overall, the feeling we have about this movie, what we see on screen, it's like... There's so many problems with the script, and it gets in such a, it gets so in the way of your viewing experience that it's almost not worth seeing these things. And you said it's not worth watching. I think it is still to see the production design, but it's almost. I mean, it rises to that level of taking yourself out of the movie entirely. Almost. There's definitely you know a religious thematic working on. Oh yeah, working on us here. There's there's definitely like a criticism of where we are now historically. Like our father's generation ruined the planet, and here we are trying to find something. And what if we're all we're got? We got to be self reliant. Right. I mean, I I like those themes. You know, I like talking about them. I like you know meditating on them. I just I don't like it when you just yell at me to meditate on them. <laughs> and I hated every word of dialogue in this movie just about because it is completely on the nose. And as a screenwriter, I've done this before where I've written on the nose first drafts on purpose just to say, all right, what is my plot? What has to happen? Mm -hmm. All right. And I've written that before. And I know there's a co-writer on the screenplay. Yep. I wonder if like he just to save the day made sense of it all, made sense of James Gray's plot line and James Gray had to go along with it because He's just trying to come up with some, anything that made sense from this Ingmar Bergman script that James Gray had or whatever was going on there. And then you have to add all this voiceover, this on-the-nose, painfully obvious voiceover. And there's just, there's just no subtext. It's all in the text. It's terrible. It's some of the worst writing I've, they, I've seen and in And they think it's their subtext because there's so much. Like that, that birth canal scene is so oh, Visually, right? yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Like they think least, there's, they're making these grand statements. I really hated it. We mentioned a lot of worst in here, so I'm going down my list of things we already said. I, I do think that the journey to Neptune was another major worst for me because, it, again, it's beautifully shot. But, Mike, there's no beds in the spaceship. You're going to have four people, and he just has to float in midair. That really sucks. There's no Netflix. There's no beds. He just has to watch old videos of his wife just giving him the, the oh god I giving him forgot. the business live tyler another waste my god what a waste what a waste She's what a great. waste of a story what a waste of a character an actor i mean he's got a wife or a girlfriend that wants to leave him that's that it him. that left him yeah. that's the story right it plays no psychological impact they try to make it psychologically relevant it didn't play to me at all it just doesn't play any part in this script like you have all the ingredients i guess maybe that's a failing of brad pitt's performance i don't know you have all the ingredients here as to why he should be losing it he tells you i'm losing it and i just didn't get that from him he didn't seem like a man that was out of control at any point but i'm face to face with my father who abandoned me as a child and wants to blow up the universe and I have to stop him. And then he's going to kill himself in front of me. And he does all those things. He does exactly what we think he's going to do. I guess I get back in this spaceship and land in Mexico. So what would have made the movie better? If Tommy Lee Jones was Dan Aykroyd after all the UFO stuff? <laughs> <laughs> I think so, too. But if you want to make Heart of Darkness in space, just make Heart of Darkness in space, please. Or Apocalypse Now, yeah. Yeah, just do that. What are we, what are we doing here? It's just ridiculous. Like, again, I wanted to walk out of this rewatch 15 different times. It did not hold up after I was dazzled by the visuals in my first watch. It just, and as you're talking about yeah, it, I no, can it's, see it, no, the it's points a dropping. It's, it's a threshold thing. I mean, I don't think it holds up at all, but it's, you know, I think it's worth seeing on a big screen just because it is that beautifully looking. Yeah, it is. Uh, and it does have that much as far as effects that play well to me. Um, but I, it, it's certainly a threshold argument. The script, don't go to see a good movie. Don't go to see a script, I should Don't say. go to see a story. That yeah, you're, a yeah, story. That's the thing. Yeah. I, I, don't, I think the story suffers, and I think the story was a, you know, just a mishmash. It's a tried really to pull it weird thing, too, because you have maybe an Oscar-level performance, you have Oscar-level effects, you have Oscar-level sounds and Oscar-level look, 
To me, the story but doesn't a whole, work. Yeah, like a, a really bizarrely filled with whole script. And to their credit, in session film, they commented on you know our our reply on Twitter there, and they're like, you know, to me, the story didn't matter, and I don't think James Gray. And I think that's what I mean. It's a threshold thing. It mattered. To yeah, them, right? I think it's you know, if the story, if you don't go to see a story, then yeah, you can get away with giving this a good grade. If the story matters to you enough, and you're a screenwriter, so of course the story matters, then this could take you out of the movie entirely. You're not yeah. going to give this a passing grade. You know, I mean, I can certainly see that here, and that's why I think this might be turned into a really unique movie in terms of history. Like, if we ever have a movie that doesn't live up to the Oscar levels, it's has three Oscar-level things, but one of those important things is so barely passable, if at all. Yeah. I don't think we've encountered a movie quite like this before. Maybe this could stand out for that reason. At Eternity's Gate is probably the closest thing, right, with Willem Dafoe last Maybe, year. Maybe, yeah. Roman J. Israel Esquire was another. I don't think either of those had multiple things, though. Right. Like, this has multiple, multiple Oscar-level right. right. categories, I would say. Yeah. So, I guess final thought, final grades here, Mike. Uh, I do think the visuals cancel out some of the hard plot. So, I would probably give given this a D if it looked like, what was that animated movie about food? Sausage party? <laughs> yeah, but not the bad version. <laughs> Whatever dark food looks. Fight, said, I think it was, food right? fight. Yeah. yeah, if it looked like food fight, then I'd give it a full. Not ass. sausage party. The bad one. The bad. Yeah, the other I like talking sausage, food movie. I like sausage party. Probably a B uh, all day. But I give this movie, you know, just conflicting grades because I give it like A minuses in terms of right. Brad Pitt's performance right. and an A for the visuals, maybe if not an A minus. And yet I give a straight F to the plot. Yeah. And so bizarre. It's so bad, and it made me so angry upon rewatch that I'm like, I think I even talked myself down from a C. I was going to give it a C. I'm giving it a C minus now. Yeah, it's a threshold thing. I mean, this is a really, really unique case study for a movie overall and how you digest a movie. I'll go. I, I was, I was like B minus. I'll go C plus. I think you did talk me down a couple, but I was like a 78, 77, right in that range. Yeah. And it's, it's a totally a threshold thing. I, I usually do go with the side of story. I'm finding out about myself now that I'm apparently willing to be more okay with something that lacks a story if the visuals are so overpoweringly effective. Mm -hmm. So I, I didn't know that about myself as a viewer. So uh, really unique movie. Odd. This happened. You know what this happened to me? This happened to me in the original Suspiria. I, I, I couldn't stand the story. Interesting. And, and the visuals were great. Remember how angry right. I, I yeah, was yeah, yeah. going into that? I kind of... Yeah you know, pulled it together a little more than I did today. But. <laughs> well, it's rare you're, you are so down on a movie. I'm usually more off, flying off the handle than you, so it's interesting to hear those thoughts. But obviously, uh, mm. we want to know your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns about Ad Astra specifically. Going to be really, really... I know I keep saying interesting because I don't have a thesaurus handy like some of the film critics do. Uh, I can't think of another word, but it's going to be a unique experience to watch where this goes throughout award season and watch the people that are in favor of it and the people that kind of back off it. So definitely keep an eye on that. But we want to hear your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns about this movie and about anything else we cover in the MMO Empire. You can leave those with us at Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available everywhere. You hear podcasts, including and especially especially Apple Podcasts, and if you happen to use iTunes or Apple Podcasts, or if you just have an iPhone, if you go to your podcast app, that little purple square with the white wire thing, Brad Pitt's umbilical cord from this movie hanging out <laughs> on top of it, uh, type in Mike, Mike, and Oscar in the search bar, hit submit, and you'll be able to see our logo there. We're wearing our new Halloween costumes for this year. Uh, tap on that. You can scroll down once and give us a five-star review. If you can do that, we would really, truly appreciate it, and thank you for all of you who have done so. Michael, words of wisdom after this rough watch, and uh, what are we watching next? Well, I guess if you've made it this far, you have a level of respect, or maybe you hate listening to us, but you have a level of respect for our opinions, and we really appreciate that. Yes, and I, I said to In Session Film, even though I was like disagreeing with a lot of their points, they had Eric Anderson from Awards Watch, and I, I love his stuff too. Yeah, and yeah, uh, really I love In Session Film, but the th whole point of what I'm saying is, uh, what I said to them was, movie criticism and art criticism in general you know you found somebody good 
when you care about what they say and respect what they say, even if they totally disagree right. with you. And I kept wanting to listen to that whole episode, and I was dying to know what they all thought. And, and I was hoping that they would win me over in the argument last night because I was like, it can't be this negative on the movie. I know there are people who love it. Big Picture, Sean Fennessy, all that. I mean, he interviewed James Gray. I listened to all that. I, I listened to a lot on this movie because I disliked the... Because you wanted to. I, I had such a visceral Persuaded, yeah. reaction against the this, this story. So I guess the, the the big thing is, you know, we give perspective when we review things, and that was somewhere we landed in the discourse on Twitter with with us and, and in session film. And I think they're dead right. I think uh, it's about perspective, and I do come from more of a you know story loving right. perspective and and the kind of movies I want. Imagine if James Gray lands nomination for directing for this. I've seen crazy. I mean, you things, could see right? the argument, right? He he's the. You know, composer of all right, these exactly. wonderful production values. Exactly. God, would that be a polarizing thing? Wouldn't that be wild? Crazy. Anyway, Mike, what's coming up next from us? Yeah, we got the Joker character study. We're going to finish up that with Heath Ledger, Joaquin Phoenix eventually, Jared Leto, if I can... My brain is just all scattered right now. I was rattled going into this. This was hard to do. I don't like being negative about movies, but we're going to do a bunch more OSPs. We got Judy coming up eventually. We got uh, Parasite, I think, in early October. Those are on the schedule for sure. Many more uh, I'm sure we'll get to over the course of the next, how many months is it until the Oscars? We got October, November, December, January. So four in a week. Four in a week. Yeah. Yeah. I can count. I'm dead. <laughs> uh, we recorded two episodes today. I am shot. I am completely shot. But yeah, Oscar Race Checkpoint. We got MMO Weekly. I think we're going to flip-flop them at this point. Yeah, we're, that seems to be what we've been we're talking leading. about it. Yeah. So we're going to move Oscar Race Checkpoint into the early week segment and then MMO Weekly. So we're going to kind of shuffle things around this, yeah. this week to do that. Look forward to all that and more. Guys, when reality sucks, you can come watch movies of any kind with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness, and we will see you soon. See you.